There is a quote at the start of the documentary film Kids for Cash from the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child in 1989. This quote reads, The child, by reason of his physical and mental immaturity, needs special safeguards and care. Mankind owes it to the child the best it has to give. 190 member countries of the United Nations ratified the Convention on the Rights of the Child. Three member countries did not. Those countries are Somalia, South Sudan, and the United States. Not all states track juvenile recidivism, and since the states that do track these rates define recidivism differently, it's a metric that's hard to measure on a national scale or compare one state to another. The Pennsylvania juvenile justice system defines recidivism as a delinquent adjudication or conviction in criminal adult court within two years of their original case being closed. The state only has rates for the years 2007 through 2010 and claims the juvenile recidivism rate in Pennsylvania is at a little over 20%. As a comparison, according to a study in 2015 conducted by researchers at MIT and Brown University, 30,000 cases of juvenile offenders in the state of Illinois were tracked to determine recidivism rates. About 40% of the kids in this study were re-offenders and in an adult prison by the time they turned 25. Most of these kids never returned to high school, they didn't get a diploma, and in some cases, they didn't even earn their GED. Imagine a 12-year-old kid standing at a bus stop. This kid is testing the preteen waters with his vocabulary. He thinks he's grown, we know he's not, and deep down, he knows he's not either, but he's feeling bold. So he gets a little mouthy with another kid, that kid's mom gets mouthy with him, He gets mouthy back, and before you know it, he's in a juvenile detention center for what amounts to being a brat. What I just described to you actually happened in the town of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, in Luzerne County, under juvenile judge Mark Shivarella. This young man went into juvenile detention at 12 years old and spent about six years in and out of detention centers. He had no attorney because a clerk slapped a piece of paper in front of him and his mom before he walked in the courtroom and told them to sign the waiver, waiving their rights to an attorney. The police said they didn't need an attorney. Lawyers will only complicate things. Within about two minutes of entering the courtroom, this 12-year-old boy was handcuffed, shackled, chains were connected around his waist, and remanded to the Pennsylvania Child Care Juvenile Detention Center, all because he had a smart mouth. There are thousands of children in Luzerne County who were sent to a juvenile detention facility, most without representation, for incidents that in many other cases would have resulted in detention or maybe an in-school suspension. Some of these children were released within six months, but many were incarcerated at juvenile facilities for years. They went in at 12, 13, or 14 years old and came out at 18. Those who managed to return to high school after their release lost friends because who wants their kid hanging out with a juvenile delinquent? In some cases, their probation officer was based in their school. Maybe the county thought that would be more convenient versus a parent or guardian having to drive them to meetings at a courthouse or some other location. But at one school, that on-site probation officer had an office with windows that looked out into the hallway so everyone could see who was on probation. Fellow students, teachers, administrators, it was done to shame these kids so they would continue to suffer even after their release from a detention facility. In part two of this series about the Kids for Cash scandal in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, we'll uncover how Mark Shivarella was finally brought to justice, although his official charges had very little to do with violating the constitutional rights of thousands of kids.
We'll talk about his partners in crime, their role in this scandal, and how they almost got away with much lighter punishments than what they're serving today. I'm Dina Marie, your host on this continued Twisted Journey. Welcome to Twisted Philly. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly podcast, True Crime, Haunted History, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome Welcome to to Twisted Twisted Philly. In September 2006, the Pennsylvania State Judicial Conduct Board, or the JCB, received an anonymous letter detailing numerous complaints against Judge Michael Conahan. The state JCB is an organization designed to keep an eye on judges from all over Pennsylvania. They investigate judges. They work to ensure judges don't abuse their power. They're like a watchdog, making sure that more than 1,000 judges across the Keystone State maintain the ethics of their positions. I'm sure whomever sent this eight-page complaint to the JCB believed the board would investigate Michael Conahan. According to reporter and author William Eckenbarger's investigation into the Kids for Cash scandal, this complaint focused on Conahan's abuse of power. He gave friends and family members well-positioned jobs. For example, his brother-in-law, Frank Vita, was the doctor at the PA Child Care Juvenile Detention Centers who conducted psychological evaluations on children, Shivarella sent to juvenile detention. The complaint also called out Michael Conahan as a political advocate, someone who was supposed to remain neutral in these matters, but he was very deeply connected to Pennsylvania politics. Lastly, the complainant argued Judge Conahan directed the Luzerne County Court Administrator, who just happened to be Conahan's cousin, to switch cases involving his friends and family members to his courtroom instead of letting them be presided over by other judges. These weren't unfounded complaints. There were eight pages of specific examples for each of these three areas of misconduct. Whomever wrote that letter spent a great deal of time and effort. They cited people, places, names, dates. There was no way the Judicial Conduct Board could have ignored this complaint. But they did. The board voted to table the complaint until October 2007. But when October 2007 rolled around the complaint remained ignored. What they may or may not have realized was that the FBI was already investigating Judge Michael Conahan, but not because of the kids for cash scandal. He was being investigated for ties to organized crime. We know this because of claims made by Judge Chester Murawski. You should remember him from episode one. Murawski suspected for a while that Shivarella and Conahan were taking bribes for child placement in juvenile detention centers. These two didn't do a very good job hiding their lavish lifestyles. They bought a condo together in Jupiter, Florida, in their wives' names. It was a million-dollar condo in one of the most upscale marinas in the city. Their wives used a tricked-out RV to tailgate at Penn State Games. They lived in an upscale area of Wilkes-Barre called Mountaintop. If you watch the documentary Kids for Cash, you can see Mark Shivarella's house. He participated in this documentary without first getting approval from his attorney. He was filmed in his beautiful, lavish mountain home. Judge Mirosky knew there was no way a Luzerne County judge could afford this sort of lifestyle on a judge's salary, and he would know he'd been in that role before Shivarella. So he called the FBI. 
And the FBI told him, at least according to what Mirosky says, there's no way these guys are sending kids to juvie for money. Oh, yes, there was. They found eight ways to Sunday to get paid for incarcerating children. The Juvenile Justice Center in Philadelphia was again contacted by a parent in Luzerne County, a woman named Lauren Transu. Her daughter Hillary was sent to juvenile detention for creating a parody MySpace page about her school's vice principal, who was also the school disciplinarian. Hillary's story is showcased quite extensively in the documentary Kids for Cash. You can see images of that page in the documentary, and it looks like what you would expect a 15-year-old girl to do. It's actually tamer than what I expected. The page had a silly cartoon drawing of a woman, and it made jokes like, Hi, I'm the vice principal. I like to spend time reading teen magazines and fantasizing about Johnny Depp. It was annoying and fairly innocuous. The problem, though, was other kids who commented on the page. They made really nasty, inappropriate comments. Hillary was considered responsible for those comments. And one day, her mother was contacted by the police. She was informed they were coming to arrest Hillary for harassment over the MySpace page because the vice principal finally filed a complaint with local police months after the page was created. Hillary could have been called into the principal's office when it happened. Her mother could have been called down to the school. They could have been forced to take down the page. She could have been suspended, but nope. The police had to be called because of the school's zero-tolerance policy. Months later, Lauren appeared in court with her daughter, Hillary. They did not have an attorney. Because when Lauren told the police, you can't come arrest my daughter unless I have a lawyer present, the police flipped the fuck out on her. They all but threatened her if she secured legal counsel. She was pushed so hard by the police that, unfortunately, she did not get a lawyer for her daughter. As you probably expect, Hillary was remanded within a few minutes of entering the courtroom. She was sent to a wilderness camp for girls. And as you may also expect, Lauren lost her shit when her daughter was ushered out of Chivarella's courtroom in shackles. She argued, she pleaded, she cried and screamed, and the bailiff threatened to have her either arrested or admitted to what he called a mental institution. Lauren Transu got home, and she and her father began the arduous task of contacting local attorneys, government officials, advocacy groups. She was eventually referred to the ACLU, and they put her in touch with an advocacy attorney in New Jersey. That person sent her to the Juvenile Justice Center in Philly. This call was very similar to the call they received in 1999 about a 12-year-old boy sentenced without representation. As they investigated Hillary's case, the Law Center uncovered similar data as the New York Times. Children were sent away without counsel at a rate of 10 times higher than in other counties in Pennsylvania. In 2008, the Juvenile Justice Center filed a King's Bench petition that means there's a higher court with extraordinary jurisdiction over lower courts. And in the state of Pennsylvania, the concept of a King's Bench petition goes back to 1722. In filing this petition, the Juvenile Justice Center asked the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court to review cases in Chivarella's career as a juvenile judge in Luzerne County, with the hopes these delinquent adjudication decisions would be overturned. Marsha Levick and Robert Schwartz from the Juvenile Justice Center were contacted by the FBI. Their King's Bench petition helped the federal government procure a search warrant and seize all of the records from Chivarella's cases. On Friday, June 20th, 2008, 
There was a front page insert in the Citizens Voice newspaper in Wilkes-Barre that proclaimed in bold letters, juvenile court records seized by feds. FBI agents execute sealed search warrant, comb through documents related to placement of young offenders. Less than a week after the FBI raid, the Luzerne County commissioners ended their lease with PA childcare facilities in Pennsylvania. The state mentioned the audit they'd recently completed, which uncovered excessive profits, excessive spending, and erroneous charges to the state. What they didn't mention was the demotion of the man who completed the audit. I guess they didn't like that the auditor uncovered dirty dealings by former President Judge Mike Conahan and current President Judge Mark Shivarella. Months after the FBI seized all of Shivarella's juvenile placement records, he was still serving as President Judge. In December 2008, he filed a lawsuit against the county commissioners for refusing to approve his judicial budget proposal. They cut the proposal by $5 million, and that's what prompted Shivarella's lawsuit. This man had absolutely no shame. But that lofty position of his didn't last long. A little over a month later, on January 26, 2009, the U.S. Attorney's Office charged Michael Conahan and Mark Shivarella with honest services wire fraud and conspiracy to defraud the United States. I read these files, and although these two were charged with fraud, the charges did reference sending kids to detention centers in exchange for financial gain. And that content is really what tripped up their plea agreement. Conahan and Shivarella were offered a plea deal of seven years in prison for honest services fraud and conspiracy to defraud the United States. That is not much time for ruining the lives of thousands of kids. But the government went with charges that were easy to prove. Follow the money. The money went through Cayman Island bank accounts. It went into cash payments in cardboard boxes delivered to Conahan and Shivarella's houses. It went into rent payments for their million-dollar condo in Jupiter, Florida. All of that was trackable. It was easy to charge, and it was easy to convict. I'm not going to read the entire filing from January 2009, but I do want to share one section with you, and that's the manner, means, and methods of the defendants. So the documents claim that between June 2000 and January 2007, Michael Conahan and Mark Shivarella abused their positions. They violated the fiduciary duty they owed the citizens of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania because they secretly derived more than $2.6 million in income in addition to their compensation as judges. The actions from which they derived improper income included, but were not limited to, entering into agreements guaranteeing placement of juvenile offenders with PA Child Care LLC, taking official action to remove funding from the Luzerne County budget for the Luzerne County Juvenile Detention Facility, facilitating construction of juvenile detention facilities, and an expansion to one of those facilities by PA Child Care and Western PA Child Care. They directed juvenile offenders be logged at these detention facilities operated by PA Child Care and Western PA Child Care. They granted motions to seal the record for injunctive release in civil cases related to this company, PA Child Care. And through their actions, they assisted PA Child Care and Western PA Child Care to secure agreements with Luzerne County worth tens of millions of dollars for the placements of juvenile offenders, including an agreement in 2004 that was worth $58 million. So reading that, it sounds like they were being charged because they used kids for cash, but that's not what they were charged with. That section of the charges from the U.S. Attorney's Office documented how Shivarella and Conahan went about getting this illegal money. Shivarella and Conahan may not have been charged with violating the rights of minors, 
But the U.S. Attorney's Office made sure to call out the money they were paid was the direct result of a scheme to send kids to detention centers. On February 13, 2009, Mark Shivarella and Michael Conahan pled guilty to fraud and conspiracy in federal court. They were released on $1 million bail. Two Pennsylvania County judges walked solemnly today into U.S. District Court in Scranton. These judges found themselves on the other side of the bench, pleading guilty to a brazen and profitable scheme. Mark Shivarella and Michael Conahan faced fraud and tax charges for allegedly taking $2.6 million in kickbacks, for sentencing thousands of juveniles to detention facilities run by two privately owned companies. Young offenders, often with no prior record, were brought before these judges for charges as minor as stealing change from cars or writing prank notes. The judges shipped them off to private detention facilities, which got county money to house them. In exchange, the judges allegedly received money for each offender. They also received payoffs for the initial construction and operation of these juvenile jails. Civil rights attorneys say thousands may have had their rights violated. Frequently there were no lawyers. Frequently you were told before you were found guilty what the sentence was going to be by the juvenile probation department and you were whisked away. According to the Citizen's Voice, a Wilkes-Barre newspaper, the money that was used to pay their bail came from that Florida condo, which was purchased from kickbacks they received from Robert Miracle and Robert Powell for the PA child care detention centers. So in essence, incarcerated children paid their fucking bail. While they were out on bail, the state conducted a pre-sentencing investigation. Now, their defense attorneys expected Conahan and Shivarella to get about seven years in jail. But they had the right to withdraw their plea agreements if they were sentenced to more than 87 months behind bars. While Mark Shivarella was out on bail, he was approached by a reporter from a major news network. The reporter had court documents in hand, some of the same ones I read from just a few moments ago. And he asked Shivarella about a quid pro quo agreement a deal to get paid in exchange for sentencing kids to juvenile detention. Shivarella vehemently denied that. He stated over and over the one had nothing to do with the other. The money he made was merely a finder's fee, and the only mistake he made was not reporting that money as income. His friend Robert Miracle told him a finder's fee was legal. There was nothing to worry about. Okay, well, if Mark Shivarella thought that money was legal and he didn't think he needed to report it, why go through the trouble of laundering it and hiding it? Shivarella repeatedly pointed to the actual charges, fraud and conspiracy, nothing about violating the constitutional rights of children, nothing about sending kids to detention centers in exchange for bribes. But that's exactly what was cited. It's what I read to you, the manner, the means, and the methods used by these defendants to commit their crimes. Shivarella accepted no responsibility for what he did. He had no remorse. He had no conscience. And the federal judge pulled their plea deal. Because Mark Shivarella stated publicly there was no connection between the children he sentenced and the money he received from the developer and owner of PA child care detention centers, both he and Michael Conahan lost their plea agreements. 
If you watch the documentary Kids for Cash, which you can rent or buy on Amazon Prime Video, you will see numerous interviews with Mark Shivarella. He seems to very much enjoy being a part of documentary filmmaking. During most of his interviews, he is poised, well-spoken, and he seems to think his actions are justified. People don't know how to be parents. To me, the juvenile system was trying to teach children to be responsible. When I was growing up, didn't need the system to take care of my problems. My mother and father took care of my problems. I wanted to revert back to how my mom and dad raised us. They raised us with a lot of love, a lot of caring, but a lot of discipline. That clip I just played is from the documentary. And that sentence, people don't know how to parent, sent me over the edge when I watched this film. Jeremy watched it with me weeks ago. During most of Shivarella's interviews prior to this one, I kept saying, he's an elitist. He thinks he's better than all of these people that come into his courtroom. He is so fucking condescending. And he didn't grow up rich. He was a local boy makes good success story before everyone found out how much of a scumbag he was. But I couldn't get past the fact I knew he looked down on these families. He probably looked down not only on the people who entered his courtroom, but most of the residents in Wilkes-Barre. And then when he made that remark, people don't know how to parent, I yelled over to Jeremy, and there it is. What have I been saying? Poor guy. He agreed with me the whole time we were watching the movie, so he didn't need me yelling at him or yelling at the television. Shivarella thought these kids were nothing. He thought their families were nothing. He saw no value in a family that had never graduated from high school. He saw no value in single mothers or divorced parents, single fathers or grandparents raising grandkids. There was no value in kids who smoked a little weed and got busted or kids who snuck a bottle of beer out of the fridge and went into the woods with their friends to drink. Kids who were a lookout for a friend who shoplifted a DVD from a local store. These kids were dirt in Mark Shivarella's eyes. Their families were dirt in his eyes. He reminds me of people in stories I've told you before in West Philadelphia. He set up shop in an area that was a somewhat depressed community. And he preyed on people who didn't think they had any other options. Shivarella also blamed his good friend and colleague, Mike Conahan. Oh, I didn't know this money was a bribe. I didn't know Conahan was hiding money. I never realized the money I got was funneled through some of Conahan's businesses before it landed in my bank account. I just used it to pay off all my debts and put my kids through college. I'm really just a babe in the woods. Conahan also appears in the documentary, not quite as much as Shivarella. He is more forthright about admitting wrongdoing. He's also more transparent that the money he received was a kickback for keeping juvenile detention facilities operating, filled with plenty of kids from Luzerne County. Once the federal judge pulled the plea deals, Mark Shivarella and Mike Conahan had to go to trial. Instead of only two charges, which were filed in January 2009, Judge Mark Shivarella faced 39 charges in 2011. He was charged with racketeering, racketeering conspiracy, four different honest services wire fraud charges. Each one of them were related to payments he received from Robert Miracle or Robert Powell. Four charges of honest service mail fraud, 10 bribery charges, five charges of money laundering, money laundering conspiracy, eight extortion charges, conspiracy to defraud the United States, 
and four charges of filing a false tax return. If he had been convicted of all 39 charges, Shivarella could have faced over 150 years in jail. On Friday, February 18, 2011, almost two years after the original charges were filed by the United States Attorney's Office, a jury deliberated for a little over seven hours. It was filled with people from different counties all over northeastern Pennsylvania, and this jury found Mark Shivarella guilty of 12 out of the 39 charges. That included racketeering, conspiracy, and filing false tax returns. I think the reason the jury acquitted him of so many other charges is because they all looked the same. When I read through the list of all 39 charges, the extortion charges read the same as the money laundering charges, which looked the same as the honest service wire fraud charges. Each group of these charges referenced the same payment amounts. And so maybe the jury thought it was overkill to apply multiple charges for the same nefarious action. Prosecutors requested Civarella be immediately placed into custody because they considered him a flight risk. I don't know how, because this verdict set RICO into effect. RICO is an acronym for the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, which meant Shivarella lost everything. He lost that fancy house in the woods, the cars, the condo in Florida, and all of that were the result of taking bribes to ruin kids' lives. He was left with nothing. While he was out on bail, he moved in with his in-laws, and he had to live off the charity of family members. The defense expected Shivarella would be sentenced to between 12 to 15 years in prison, almost twice the time he was given in the original plea deal back in 2009. But that's not what happened. Shivarella spent about six months out on bail until Thursday, August 11, 2011, when he was sentenced to 28 years in prison for what was called by prosecutors the worst judicial scandal in the state's history. Okay, what about the other players? Michael Conahan, Robert Maracle, Robert Powell. Michael Conahan was tried separately from Shivarella. On Friday, September 23rd, also in 2011, he was sentenced to 17 and a half years in prison. He claimed that while he was out on bail, he underwent therapy, which made him realize the significant wrongdoing he committed and that he needed to be punished. In a statement he read to the court, Conahan said, What I did was wrong. What I did damaged a great many people, and I hope that going forward, the citizens, the public, especially the children of Luzerne County can begin to heal, and their faith in the legal system, in government, and the judiciary can be restored. For my part, I will work the rest of my life to atone for what I've done. Robert Maracle, the man who developed and built the PA child care detention facilities, the man that funneled money to attorney and co-owner Robert Powell and Luzerne County judges Conahan and Shivarella, was sentenced to only one year in prison. That's because he was a witness for the state and cooperated with the investigation. Attorney Robert Powell was disbarred in 2011 after being sentenced to 18 months in prison. Like Miracle, Powell cooperated with the investigation. He publicly admitted his guilt, showed remorse. Whether it was genuine or contrived, I really can't say. Most of my focus in this two-part episode was about Mark Shivarella. To me, he was the one with the power and authority to stop what happened to thousands of kids in Luzerne County, and he didn't. He can cry on camera in that documentary about how he will never get to see his grandchildren, and I'm okay with that. That pain is nothing compared to the pain he inflicted on countless children and families in his community so he could get rich. 
The documentary film Kids for Cash features stories of five children who were victims of Mark Shivarella. The book of the same name by William Eckenbarger features dozens and dozens more. They are hard to watch and hard to read. But I do want to share just one more story about a young man whose life was destroyed by Mark Shivarella. In February 2011, while Mark Shivarella stood outside the courthouse with his attorney, talking about how the verdict of only 12 out of 39 indictments was a win, a woman approached them. Right after Shivarella's attorney said the verdict hurt the government and the jury proved what Mark Shivarella claimed all along was true, he never took a kickback, he never took a bribe, a woman yelled, my kid's not here anymore, he's dead, and she said the judge ruined her fucking life. That woman was Sandy Fonzo. She continued screaming at Shivarella and his attorney. Do you remember me? Do you remember me? Do you remember my son? Sandy's son, Ed Kenzikowski, was admitted to a juvenile detention center in 2003. Ed's parents weren't together, but they were both a part of his life. When he was a teenager, Ed started drinking. According to Ed's mom, Sandy, in August 2003, Ed was at a party with other kids and he was drinking. He drank a lot. Sandy claimed his father wanted to teach him a lesson, so he and a couple of cops he knew that he was friendly with found Ed at the party. And instead of just hauling him out for underage drinking, Sandy Fonzo claimed the police took a pipe they found at the party and put it in Ed's car. Her son was then charged with possession of drug paraphernalia. Talking to the probation people, we're talking actually to the judge also. There was a sit down in, you know, with these cops and knowing Judge Chivarella that this was all, you know, in his best interest just to get him a little slap on the wrist, wise him up, scare him straight. He's a great kid. He has a great future ahead of him. Um, and yep, we know there's, you know, nothing you have to worry about. We don't need a lawyer. The same, same story. I don't know. I was just very naive. And I mean, Never in my wildest dreams would I think these people that are supposed to have, they, you know, they were the professionals. They have your child's interests at best, best, best at heart. And um, these are the people that you trust and everything's going to be okay. You know, he's going to learn a little lesson and everything will be fine. And we stood there and in 30 seconds he was cuffed and shackled and taken away. Judge Civarella told Ed, I'm sending you to juvenile detention where you can sit and think about what you did. Ed's mom described him as a fun and free-spirited teenager. He was an all-star wrestler in school. He just couldn't stop himself from messing around with alcohol as he got older. When Ed came home from the detention center the first time, he was a very different person. In many of these cases, children who spend years in detention have to find ways to cope with being away from home and being around people who've committed more heinous crimes. Sometimes the way to do that is to align yourself with older kids, tougher kids, kids who committed harder crimes, so you're protected by someone. Like many of these other kids when they were released, Ed was out on probation when he got out of detention. While he was on probation, he got into a fight, and he knew he'd have to go back to Judge Civarella's courtroom. People told him, you're probably going to get sent away until you're 21. Ed Kenzikowski was still just 17 when this happened, and he was scared. He was scared of spending another three or four years in detention, so he ran. His mom said he was only gone for about a month, and as soon as he got home, he was expected to be hauled into court, but that didn't happen. Two years passed, and Ed still hadn't been charged for that fight that he had when he was out on probation. His mom, Sandy Fonzo, said he seemed happy during that time. He had a job, and when they thought Ed was really about to turn a corner— Judge Civarella caught up with him. 
the judge sent Ed back to juvenile detention at about 19 years old. He was released again, got into another fight again, and then he was charged as an adult, and he was sent to adult prison. Ed Kenzikowski struggled for years. He was released from prison in 2010, and in less than six months after his release, Ed died as a result of suicide. He took a gun and shot himself in the heart. The segments of Sandy and Ed's story in the documentary Kids for Cash are unbearable. What I found so hard to watch was the way Ed's face changed in pictures. There was a drastic physical change in his countenance after he was released from juvenile detention, and it was jarring. It was like you could see on the outside what being in juvenile detention did to him as a teenager. In January 2018, seven years into Mark Shivarella's 28-year sentence, a federal judge vacated some of the charges for which Shivarella was convicted in 2011. He cited a statute of limitations because the bribes were received more than five years before Shivarella was charged and claimed there were issues with jury deliberation instructions. On March 29th of this year, just a few months ago, the United States Federal Appeals Court denied Shivarella's request for a new trial. In his ruling, the federal judge said Shivarella was convicted of mail fraud for filing financial statements in 05 through 07. These statements concealed his kickback income that he received in 03. Even though the money was received in 2003, the actions of committing mail fraud didn't happen until after 2004, so the statute of limitations wouldn't have applied. Shivarella's second argument for a new trial was related to a decision the Supreme Court made after his trial in 2011 that clarified the meaning of the term official act for the purposes of bribery. Shivarella said that he deserved a new trial with different jury instructions because of that change in meaning. The federal appeals court disagreed with this argument, too. The change in meaning that was passed by the Supreme Court in 2016 stated the official act of bribery doesn't include arranging a meeting, contacting another public official, or hosting an event. There needs to be more than that. No one charged him with bribery because he had a phone call with Robert Merrickle or met with Michael Conahan about building a for-profit prison. He was charged and convicted of bribery because he accepted bribes. He took that money hid that money, spent that money, all the while sending kids to detention facilities all over Pennsylvania. Here's what I wonder about this case. Whom else profited from Shivarella? PA childcare detention centers in Pittston, Pennsylvania and in Western PA weren't the only spots where this guy incarcerated kids. They didn't have enough beds to handle all the kids Shivarella prosecuted, nor were they available in 1996. He did this for years. Certainly, the height of his scam happened after he made the deal with Conahan, Merkel, and Powell to build these for-profit detention centers. But other judges knew what was going on in his courtroom. The school district knew what was up. For fuck's sake, half the time they were the ones sending kids to Mark Shivarella. Why send someone to detention for 45 minutes after school when you can send them to a detention center and get them out of your hair for four or five months? Why on earth would the Judicial Control Board ignore such a complaint like the one they received in 2006? I don't know. It's now 2019. It's been eight years since Mark Shivarella and Michael Conahan were sent to prison. I imagine that if there was anyone else in Luzerne County who was going to be charged in association with these crimes, it would have happened by now. I can't state strongly enough how this was allowed to happen because people looked the other way. Not everybody, 
There were other people besides Judge Chester Murawski who asked questions and made phone calls, and they too were punished for their accusations and their inquiries. Speaking of Chester Murawski, here's a hidden gem I found while researching as many aspects of this story as possible. Mark Shivarella resigned as president judge on January 23, 2009, just days before the federal government filed their indictments against him and Conahan. A copy of his resignation was submitted to Judge Chester Murawski. He spoke at a press conference covered by the Wilkes-Barre Times leader, and I would like to play that audio for you now. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for attending. I received a copy of a letter dated January 23rd that Judge Mark Chivarella has sent to Governor Rendell, resigning as President Judge of Luzerne County. With the resignation of Judge Chivarella as President Judge, I, as senior serving judge, will oversee the administration of our court and its various departments until the election of a new president judge on 72 hours notice to the members of our court. What I find so impressive about Judge Murawski is he spent years fighting against what he believed was corruption in the Luzerne County courts, especially corruption against children. He complained to Conahan about Chivarella and was reassigned. He complained to the FBI about Conahan and Chivarella. His hunches were right all along. Not once during this brief press conference did he demonstrate even the slightest hint of disdain or smugness or I told you so. It also feels like eventually karma does catch up with people, especially those whom act like they are so very much above everyone else. On July 21st, I shared a much-abridged live version of this story with a group of wonderful people who braved a 115-degree heat index to attend the Twisted Philly live show at this year's Philadelphia Podcast Festival. There were a few questions from folks in the audience most I was able to answer in the room, but one question in particular I had to research a little more to get a solid answer. My friend Jonathan asked about reparations or restitution. Has the state done anything to compensate these kids and their families for the harm they suffered? Class action lawsuits were filed by many of the victims of the Kids for Cash scandal. In August 2015, Robert Powell, the attorney who helped fund development of the PA childcare facilities and paid kickbacks to Judge Conahan and Chivarella, paid $4.75 million as part of a class action settlement. Powell only spent 18 months in prison for his role in violating the constitutional rights of Luzerne County children. According to the Wilkes-Barre Times leader, Robert Powell was out of prison in 2013, and within just a few years, his income was again on the rise. Even though he'd been disbarred, he'd begun receiving settlements from cases he handled while he was a practicing attorney. He likely paid an additional $2.5 million in the class action lawsuit brought by victims of PA child care facilities. Robert Miracle and Miracle Construction paid about $20 million in settlement payments. Class action suits were also brought against judges Michael Conahan and Mark Chivarella. However, their status in prison, losing most of their assets, makes it highly unlikely they'll be able to contribute to any settlements. This episode was requested by my daughter. 
About two months ago, while I was away on business, she sent me a text with a link to an article in the New York Times about the Luzerne County Kids for Cash scandal from 2009. She doesn't listen to the Twisted Philly true crime episodes, nor does she listen to the paranormal episodes. She doesn't really believe in ghosts. She does listen to and enjoy the travel and tourism episodes, the seasonal episodes about Halloween and Christmas. But she came to my live show last week about this story. We've talked so much about these events, how these men preyed on people, some of whom may have been undereducated, some who struggled financially, others were merely trusting of their local government, their police, their schools, when they were told everything will work out just fine. She and I talked so much about this story with tears in our eyes, and I'm so grateful she suggested it as an episode for Twisted Philly. The Luzerne County Kids for Cash scandal made international news. It was covered in newspapers and on television all over the country, in the UK, France, Australia, and New Zealand. In 2009, the entire world watched as two judges from a little town in northeast Pennsylvania were revealed as despicable human beings who profited off violating the rights of children. Thank you to Emmy Sarah for the music you heard in this and almost every episode of Twisted Philly. You can find out more about Emmy on her website at emmysarah.com and download her music on iTunes. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.